Good morning, church. As always, thank you, worship team, for leading us so well um, every week. It is so good to see everybody this morning. It is also good to be here this morning, sands, uh, floods, and rain. Uh, last week, it felt like Noah's Ark, um, and it was crazy out. But today, it is uh, sunny and beautiful, and I am grateful uh, that I got to park legally today. So it's the little things. And so uh, I'm excited for today's message. And just to give you guys a heads up, I had uh, a few swigs of an energy drink. Uh, so I'm really just trying to comp, be calm because I feel like, woo, let's go. And so, you know, I don't want to drop that in y'all lap. Uh, as soon as I get started. So I'm going to build my way up to it. So when you find me at that place in the sermon, just go, oh, the energy drink is kicking in. Um, <laughs> there you have it. So let, let's jump to the second message in our series. Uh, and I want you to go with me to John chapter 11. <clears throat> and last week I promised y'all that I was in the media team verses, um, but I didn't. So next time. But John chapter 11, verse 25, I'll start there. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And as I've done um, since I've been here as your interim, I'll read, I'll pray, and we'll get into the message. Is that all right? Amen. John chapter 11, starting at verse 25, and it says, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him, I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and he wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at a place where Martha met him. <clears throat> when the people who were at the house were consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. <clears throat> so they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we thank you so much that you are a good father. You love to give good gifts. We thank you for the gift of this day. It is the day that you have made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. And we pray, God, by the power of your spirit, would you continue to move? Would you change us, challenge us, draw us into deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we all say together, amen. And so as we are in this I Am series, um, we're going to talk about this story today and how Jesus says, I am the resurrection. But let me give you a little uh, kind of context to this story, which may be helpful. So Jesus is engaging in a conversation, and many of you may already be familiar with this story, but Jesus is engaging in a conversation with two of his beloved friends, Martha and Mary, and he's talking to them about what just happened. They, they just had something major happen, and that major event that happened was their brother Lazarus had died. But hear this, Lazarus just wasn't their brother. Lazarus was also the friend of Jesus. And so here's what we have to know. If ever there was a context, <laughs> if ever there was a situation or an event that would make one question their faith in Jesus, it would be this one. Death would be that context. All kinds of questions come to the surface when we start to think about death, when we try to wrap our minds around death. And this case is no different. So what I want to do is focus on two questions that get asked here. The first question is by Jesus. He asks, Martha, 
does she believe? He says, Martha, do you believe? The second question is presented by Mary, although it's kind of an indirect one. Mary's statement, question statement, is, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Really, Mary is saying something deeper. She's going, Jesus, why didn't you show up? Jesus, why didn't you come? Here it is, this devastating, unexpected loss of their loved one, and he's also a loved one of Jesus, and Jesus is nowhere to be found. Isn't that interesting? Have you been there before where you have a hard situation going on in your life, and you go, Jesus, where are you? And he feels like he's nowhere to be found. We usually in the church, you know, we like to assign titles and themes to those kind of moments in our lives. And we usually call that like a desert season. We call it a winter season where it seems like everything is quiet and dried up and nothing is moving. Nothing seems to be present. No fruit, no greenery, no life. Not even Jesus seems to be present. And so we can understand uh, what is happening with Mary and Martha in this context. Life is full of unexpected losses and, uh, and unfortunate events, events so devastating that it causes us to ask God big questions. It causes us to say, God, where are you at? It causes us to start asking questions about our own faith. But again, the two questions that present themselves in these few verses that we just read can help us navigate difficult circumstances in our lives. The question that is asked by Jesus when he says, do you believe? And then the question asked by Mary, why didn't you show up? Jesus tells them at the beginning of our text when we read, he says, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. And he says, do you believe this, Martha? Do you believe this? Jesus is asking Martha, something really specific, something she had never been asked before by Jesus, something, a question she had never been presented <laughs> before by Jesus. Jesus says, do you believe that I have resurrection power? Now that was a different question because in all of her interactions with Jesus, this was something she had never seen of her Lord and Savior before, but Jesus tells her, he goes, I am the resurrection. And he goes on to explain what that means, and he says, do you believe this? See, Jesus's I am statement in verse 25 is merely a foreshadowing of not only one of the most dramatic miracles he performed while he was on earth, but it's also a foreshadowing of the most dramatic, loving, and selfless act that he would ever perform, the one of giving his life for us. But he doesn't only give his life for his friends, he also gives it for his enemies. <laughs> See, thus far the people in the story had understood Jesus' power and who he was by way of his incredible knowledge of Scripture. The, the Bible tells us that many were in awe of his teaching. They sat back and they went, how does he have this sort of authority and knowledge of Scripture? This is how people recognized the new Jesus' uh, uh, ministry. They recognized him by his uncanny discernment and foresight. They were like, what is happening? Who is this man? They also recognized him, hear this, by the miracles that he performed. The miraculous healings that would take place. They knew he could be a great teacher, rabbi, and speaker, yeah? They knew he could be a great healer, but they didn't know he could be a resurrector. <laughs> As we walk with the Lord, and there come situations and events in our life that arise, 
We tend to lean on who we know him to be. But if we can get in a space, sometimes the Lord will reveal a new aspect of who he is that he's trying to get us to become familiar with. In this story here, Jesus says, I know you know me as rabbi. I know you know me as healer, but now I want you to know me as resurrector. See, hear this. If the event hadn't happened, they wouldn't come to know him as resurrector. I know events are difficult and hard. They stretch us. They break us. We mourn. We grieve. It is hurtful. It is hard. It is treacherous. But if we didn't go through the event, we wouldn't have the opportunity to know him differently. So here, Jesus goes, I want you to know me, Martha, as a resurrector. I want you to know me, Mary, as a resurrector. See, they're, they're, Mary and Martha are in two different sorts of places. Jesus is about to show himself in a new light to each of them. And he says to them, here's the thing, do you believe though? Martha, do you believe? I, I know what you've seen of me. I know we've been good friends. And sometimes when you become too familiar with the sacred, it becomes ordinary. When we become too familiar with the sacred, it becomes ordinary. Life is sacred. Can we agree on that? But sometimes we wake up in the morning and we just get to move and we forget to pray, we forget to acknowledge God, we forget to say thank you, we get on the highway, we start going to Starbucks, if I'm the Starbucks is closed, that's what happened to me this morning, and I had a whole attitude. Can I tell the truth and shame the devil? I drove all the way there and they were like, sorry for the inconvenience, and I was like, no! This is not okay. There's not a Starbucks close to my house and I went out of the way. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to get that off my chest apparently. <laughs> I'm still thinking about that thing. I'm gonna write a letter, corporate. <laughs> but we forget, my point is we forget that really there's something sacred happening. Ah. Every time we breathe in a breath, there's something sacred happening. When we exhale a breath, it is something sacred happening. It is called life as our lungs are taking in the oxygen, as our hearts are beating, as our blood cells and all these things are working. It is sacred. You right now are experiencing a sacred miracle. But sometimes the sacred can become ordinary. We just expect it, and we're not really grateful for it the way we should be. Mary and Martha, as their beloved brother has died, the sacred, the Christ, comes on the scene, and they are frustrated. They are confused. Can I tell you why I think they are? This is, this is just me, my opinion, right? I think because they've lost touch with the sacredness of the Savior. Often we lose touch with the sacredness of the Savior. We withhold those sacred moments with the Savior just for Sunday mornings. That's when it's going to get sacred. We wait for maybe the special event, then it'll be sacred. The conference, perhaps, then it'll be sacred. When I meet with my prayer partner, then the Savior becomes sacred. But no, 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 every time I open my eyes and I experience life, the Savior is sacred. Thank you. The Savior 
is sacred. The Savior is sacred. If nothing else happened good in our lives after today, the Savior is still sacred. Jesus shows up to let them know he is still sacred. He is no ordinary Savior. Jesus is inviting both Mary and Martha to come to know him in his resurrection power. And for the sake of today's message and this series, the invitation is the same to us today. What events in our lives do we need to come in alignment with the sacred Savior in the realization that He is also a resurrector? Paul says in Philippians, he goes, I want to know Him. I love this. These are his words. He goes, I want to know Him in the power of his resurrection. I like it, the Pentecostal part of me. You know, I tell people I have Baptocostal roots. I'm a covenant turber, I have Baptocostal roots. <laughs> so you started talking about resurrection power. <laughs> the energy drink gonna kick in, I promise, <laughs> in just a few seconds here. But Paul says, I wanna know him in the power of his resurrection. I mean, if we look at Romans 6 just to even understand what Paul is saying when he says, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection, Romans 6 chapter 9 says, we are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. And this is my favorite part of that verse, death no longer has any power I can almost stop there, but I'm not because it's not the whole sentence. Death no longer has any power over him. Jesus already knew that before he experienced it. He showed up as the sacred Savior, <laughs> knowing that death had no power over him. He didn't need to be there at the moment because he already knew death had no power over him. And so now he's going, Mary and Martha, I want you to know me and the power of my resurrection. Jesus wants us to know him and the power of his resurrection. And I believe part of what that looks like, if we can just make a practical application, a point that we can walk out with and actually apply to our lives, I feel like what that practically looks like to know him and the power of his resurrection, I really think it means, uh, or what it looks like is being able to be free from the power of sin in our lives, that God is able to resurrect the parts of our lives that have been dead because of sin and because of things that have weighed us down. I really believe that he wants us to be free from things that have bound us up. Can I say that? From things that have bound us up, from things that have held us back, from things that have held us down, from things we feel like have held us hostage, from things that keep us in this perpetual victim mode over and over again, things that have kept us from exhaling. It's time to know him in his resurrection power. <laughs> it's time to move forward in the spaces where Jesus desires to resurrect some things because the resurrection power lives on and lives on in the inside of you and me. See, when we're determined to know God's resurrection power, can I tell you what can happen? And I know many of you who know the story are waiting for me to get to the climax of the story when stones are rolled away and things of that nature. Don't worry, we'll get there. But I, I really want us to anchor ourselves in, in this moment with that resurrection piece. 
when we're determined to know God and his resurrection power, can I tell you the enemy actively begins to work against us experiencing that power? I mean, like, for real. Can we just, you know, yeah. Have you experienced that before? You go, man, I'm working to be more like Jesus, follow him, walk like him, talk like him, not just talk about it, but be about it. And then the enemy shows up. Can I tell you something? One of the things, a spiritual practice that I do not like, that is difficult for me, that I know I need to do is fasting. Fasting is not my favorite. Can I say that? But can I tell you something? Every time I decide to fast, every time, never ever fails. Somebody having a barbecue. Somebody want to treat me to dinner. They want to buy me Harold's chicken. That, that really happened one time. I went somewhere to preach and I was fasting and I was a guest speaker there. They knew I was from Chicago. And they said, oh, we heard Harold's chicken is really popular there. Here you go. And I could have melted into the stage because I was like, Lord, right? But have you had that happen before? And, you know, I just took a whiff and I passed it on uh, to someone. But do you know what I mean? When you start trying to make strides to experience the things of God, the enemy actively begins to put obstacles in your way. So then all of a sudden we start experiencing all kinds of setbacks. Because the enemy goes, I don't want you to experience the resurrection power. <laughs> so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn up the defeat in your life. <laughs> I'm going to turn up the weariness where you're like, I quit. I'm going to do everything in my power. This is what the enemy does because the gospel tells us he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He does everything to move us from places of freedom in Christ, move us from experiencing Jesus' resurrection power. And it is not because we don't have a desire to experience, because Mary and Martha do in this story. They do, but they're wrestling, and they're trying to figure out what's happening. And Jesus presents a simple question. I love how complex yet how simple Jesus is, like I do. He's introducing himself as a resurrector, if you will, and I made that word up, so no need to look it up. I did, right? He's introducing himself as that, but I love how simple he makes this, because he says what he says about his resurrection power, where he says, I am the resurrection, and then he turns to Martha. And he simply asks, do you believe? Here's the thing. You don't have to strive and make it happen. You don't have to try to do the work. <laughs> he simply just goes, do you believe? And our answer ought to be like her answer when Jesus asks us, do we believe? She says, yes. There's a song we used to sing coming up in church, and it is, I say, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I say, yes, Lord, yes, I will trust and obey. When your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart I'll agree, and my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. In the midst of this event, Martha says, yes, Lord, yes. With what she had already experienced, she said, yes, Lord, yes. I know what I'm seeing, but I believe beyond what I'm seeing. I say, yes, Lord, yes. 
God, I know this may look like the last thing, but sometimes the last thing is a pivot into the greatest thing that is going to come our way. So Martha says, yes, Lord, yes. I will say yes, Lord, yes, and I hope that yes echoes into eternity as God does a work in my life, because God was getting ready to do a work among these two friends. And while Martha had experienced Jesus' many miracles, the ceiling of her experiences <laughs> prohibited her for a moment from seeing the greater work that was in store. And she wasn't the only one. Her sister, Mary, came over. And she said, Jesus, if you had only been here, my, my brother wouldn't have died. Have you had a moment like that? I mean, I think we all had. Jesus, if you would have showed up, that loss wouldn't have happened. Jesus, if you would have just showed up, who I am maybe would have maybe been different today, what I experienced. Jesus, if you would have just intervened, Maybe I wouldn't have made that mistake that cost me so much time. Jesus, if you would have just intervened, maybe I'd be here today. But then sometimes the Lord says to us, I didn't do it, and I allowed it to happen for the glory of God. Believe it or not, there are some losses and events that we will experience that do not make any sense to our human frames and brains. Why? It happens. God allowed it to happen so His glory could be put on display. John 11 and 4 says, but when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, Jesus said it wouldn't end in death. Jesus said this happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God would receive glory from this. This is what he's saying. Jesus, in the greatest loss of my life, uh, it looks dead. Death has been stamped all over it. It has been wrapped up. It has been buried. It is being mourned and grieved over. But you are saying, no, it doesn't end like this. But you go instead, it's happening for the glory of God. And can I tell you something about the glory of God? The glory of God is weighty. Yeah. The glory of God is heavy. The glory of God is paralyzing. The glory of God can put you in a position where you can't even speak. You don't even know how to articulate what you are experiencing. All you can do sometimes if you've ever experienced just a glimpse of the weight, it stops you in your tracks. Jesus says, this happened for the glory. And in that fifth verse in John 11, it says, so although Jesus, hear this, and I loved that the writer puts this in the text. It says, so although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, See, sometimes we start thinking God doesn't love us because He allowed something to take place. Can I tell you something? He loves you. He loves you. Two verses before that fifth verse I just read, it may almost seem like Jesus doesn't because Jesus doesn't rush when He hears that Lazarus is ill. He doesn't do that. He doesn't stop what He's doing. But it doesn't discount his love. It says, so although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, hear this, oh, 
John 11, verse 6. It says, although he loved them. Hear, hear what I'm about to read to you. He stayed where he was for another two days. Can I tell you something? He loves you, but sometimes he going to stay where he going to stay until he's ready for you to experience the miracle. For them, it was two days. For you, it might be two months. It might be two years. It might be two days. It might be two minutes. I don't know. But sometimes, hear, hear what I'm saying, because here's the point. The Bible says he stayed where he was. Sometimes we call on the Lord in an event where we feel like we need his immediate attention. God, you see what's going on in this church. We need your immediate attention, yeah? You see what's going on in my life. We need it immediately. And sometimes he stays where he stays because he's doing something. He's working on something. He's allowing the circumstances to be exactly perfect for the miracle that he's about to perform. See, although he loves us, new community, although he loves this church, although he loves his sons and his daughters, although he loves the work that he's doing here, although he loves the children, although he loves the ministry, although he loves the community, sometimes, He'll say, I'm going to stay where I'm going to stay until the environment is primed. Energy drink kicking in. Until the environment is primed and ready for what they are about to experience. Yeah? He said, I'm going to wait until it's exactly right. The Bible tells us that when Jesus calls for Mary, I'm going a little back and forth in this story, but when Jesus called for Mary to come after he had talked to Martha, it says the mourners came with her. A crowd came with her, see, because they assumed that one thing was happening, but something else was about to take place. God was about to get some glory. Can I, can I just say this? Sometimes we have onlookers in our lives, and they're looking waiting for the disaster, or they're looking, waiting for confirmation of the thing that has now died. But we haven't died, church. <laughs> it may look like it, it may even smell like it, <laughs> but we not dead. We not dead. The mourners came to confirm what they felt like they already knew was happening, confirm the situation that was happening. But little do they know that Jesus had already spoken into the situation, saying it would end like this. But when he showed up, Mary came, the mourners came, and God was about to work it all out for their good and his glory. And so he says, going to John 11 again, this time I'm going to verse 39. After all of these things take place, after questions are being asked, Mourners are showing up to confirm what they already know. The gospel tells us in verse 39, and I mean these are incredible storytellers who write the scripture. John chapter 11, verse 39, 
This is the climax of the story. Jesus says, roll the stone aside. And you know, I love reading the story because I always wonder, what did Jesus sound like when he said it? You know? You see, because he knew it wouldn't end in death, right? So as all the mourners are there crying and Mary and Martha, Martha is like, you know, I believe. I'm going to say yes, even though I don't get what's going on, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> Mary is like, where were you? What were you doing that was so important? The mourners are there. And you know, this is just me. I, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, how did Jesus sound? Does he go, roll aside the stone? You know, does he sound like that? I don't know. Is he keeping it easy? Roll aside the stone. I, you know, I think about that. Does he go, roll aside the stone? Like, does he say it with conviction and pauses because he knows what's about to happen. As a matter of fact, he's not going what's about to happen. He already knows what has happened, what he has spoken. And so it tells us in John 11 verse 39, Jesus says, roll the stone aside. And here goes Martha, who just said, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. That was Martha, right? Because she said, I believe. So Jesus goes, roll the stone. And Martha says, Lord, but he's been dead. The scripture tells us she protested. Now you just attested to the goodness of God. You just said, yes, Lord, yes, yes, I believe. I believe. I'm here today because I, I believe. We'll roll the stone aside. Put your baggage down. Put your preconceived notions aside. Lay aside the things that are causing you to not believe, right? But the situation looks too bad, God. Martha protests and she goes, Jesus, he's been dead for four days. And she goes, and the smell will be terrible. She's not like Jesus, he's dead. She's like, he's dead, dead. There's no bringing this back. But Martha, you just said you believed me when I said I am the resurrection. Yeah, I, you know, you can resurrect dead, but I don't know if you can resurrect dead, dead. Jesus says, didn't I tell you? You know, I be making Jesus black when I be reading these stories. I do. I do. Like Uncle Jesus, you know what I'm saying? You know, he sound like a parent to me in this verse, a black parent. Didn't I tell you? Now I ain't going to keep telling you, you know? You, know, you. you know, I love us black parents. But Jesus goes... Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? See, he just had to remind Martha real quick, get back on your yes square. Every now and again, we need to just be reminded because sometimes we, we have meltdowns. Yeah, I mean, I do. I, I'm not going to impose that on you all here, but you know, I had a breakdown on the way to church today, just a mini one. Nothing's wrong with the car. It was me, right? We experience that sometimes. And Martha, just for a second, had just a, a mild breakdown. She did. And Jesus said, let me just remind you of what we just talked about. Didn't I tell you that if you believe. I know you're struggling right now with what 
I'm saying to you about your situation being resurrected, not from the dead, but from the dead dead. But trust me, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. So Martha reoriented herself to the yes. And when she does, the mourners, they were there all of a sudden. They saw her switch her disposition. And I'm guessing Mary was in alignment. And they pushed that stone aside and they start pushing. Can I tell you, sometimes it's work. When we think something is dead, dead. It is work to give it back to Jesus once we've buried it behind our scars, once we've buried it behind our insecurities and hurts, once we've buried it behind our walls. And so there will be times where we have to do just a little work. We got to put a little effort into surrendering. I want to, when I grow up, I want to be an author. And I'm sweating like crazy up here. I want to be an author. And I said, one of the books that I would write is a book called Fighting to Surrender. Because I thought about my own life and the journey that it is to surrender sometimes. Because sometimes our insecurities and our pride can be stubborn. Yeah, it can be stubborn. And so sometimes there has to be effort to surrender. And rolling aside the stone, there was effort to surrender. But they did it anyhow. And Jesus, in alignment with the Father, it says he looked up to heaven. And I love just how his physical movements orient him to what is about to happen and who is about to do it. He stops and he looks to heaven. And he says, Father, I thank you that you hear me. And I like that he doesn't look around. He's not concentrating on those around him. He's not even looking at the dead man. He's orienting himself to the promise maker and the promise keeper. He's orienting himself to the one who's about to pour out the glory. And he goes, I thank you for hearing me. But then he said, I thank you that you always hear me. Yes. And what you're about to do now, and I'm paraphrasing it, <laughs> he says, and what you're about to do now, you're doing it for the sake of those who are watching. Oh. Can I tell you something? Sometimes it's not about us. It's about those who are watching. And he says, as these people are standing here, you sent me so they would believe that I am the resurrector, that I am the sent one. And verse 43 says, then Jesus shouted. He shouted. It's okay to be loud in places of worship sometimes. 
Then he shouted, almost as if Lazarus needed to hear him from the dead dead. He shouted, Lazarus, come out. Woo. And the Bible tells us that a dead man got up walking. Ah, there are some things and events in our lives that we can't whisper to in this season. Can I say that? See, this is, I'm about to be urban and my west side gonna come out a little bit. There are some things that you're not going to be able to whisper to in this season. <laughs> there are some things and some insecurities that you may have to shout at uh, in this time in your life. The things that have tried to keep you in bondage, lies that have tried to keep you bound and incapable of doing what God has said to do. Don't whisper to the lie anymore. No, you're not true. Sometimes you have to scream at it. No! That's not God's truth. No, I will not die. No, I will not quit. No, no weapon formed against me will prosper. No, I will live and not die. No, I will not quit. No, I will not let the enemy win. Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And he did. They saw a dead man walking. He was in grave clothes, but he was walking around. His face had been wrapped up. Hands, feet, body wrapped up in grave clothes. <laughs> in Jesus, because he's not all about the thing and the lights, camera, action. He's not just about, oh, look, a dead man walking. I love that he does this part here because I truly believe that it comes from the compassionate place of who he is. He says, unwrap him. Again, a little effort, you know, because to mummify a body took a very long time in antiquity. So it wasn't a quick snap your fingers and he was miraculously, just everything fell off. No, he gotten up miraculously. But then Jesus, to his sisters and to those mourners, they had to start unwrapping him. And I imagine every time they did a circle around him, they were taking in what just happened. Huh. I'm, I'm unwrapping a miracle. I'm unwrapping a dead man. I, I, I'm unwrapping the thing that God just called back to life. See, can I tell you something? You know, with these messages and, you know, with things that we're listening to online and Bible studies that we may be in, sometimes just pause and unwrap. Can I say that? Begin to unwrap so you begin to take in all of what God is doing. Sometimes we just get a glimpse of it here on Sunday morning, but take some time this week and unwrap. Sit with that thing. God, what are you doing? What are you saying? Unwrap that thing. See, that's the compassion of Jesus, where he says, unwrap him and then let him go. 
unwrap him, and then release him back to the one he belongs to. See, he used to belong to Mary and Martha, their brother. He belonged to the community, their friend, their neighbor, their loved one. But I believe there's more in the let him go. Release him back to me. Can I tell you there are some things we've had to bury because we held on to it? And because it didn't happen the way we envisioned, we had to bury it. But in this miraculous moment where Jesus invites you to let the glory come and experience his resurrection power, he's then going to invite you to unwrap and let it go. Oof. Unwrap and let it go. God wants us to believe him beyond our last worst experience with him, beyond the last event that took place in our lives that perhaps disappointed us. He wants us to know what perhaps was our greatest loss. It's just a setup for us to see his greatest glory. New community, I believe that we have yet to see God's greatest glory. His greatest glory. We've seen some great things, but we haven't seen his greatest glory. If you this morning are saying, God, I do want to experience and see your greatest glory. If that's you, I just want you, you don't even have to do it all out, to give God a good old-fashioned Martha yes. And with it, yes, know that it is, set, it is a setup. It is a promise. It is a pivot into God's greatest glory. Because even when we go through the hardest of the hardest things, our Savior is still sacred. He is not ordinary. He is sacred. And there are moments that he wants to reveal to us. There are aspects of himself that have been hidden from us for various reasons perhaps the enemy, perhaps ourselves. But he goes, I want to show you who I am. And for that, we are grateful. Jesus has a way of taking some of the toughest moments and making them sacred. <laughs> 